This is a message from the ministry of the International Baptist Church of Debrecen. For more information about our church, visit ibcdebrecen.com. Amen. May the Lord be blessed. Amen. So we will be soon in the glory of the Lord, but for now we were in earth, and for the time we stay here, there is a battle. And we see that more the time passed, and the harder in the ba- is the battle, because the darkness progress in this world. Thursday, I met a prostitute in Debrecen. We talked a little bit and we prayed together, but what shocked me, it was she didn't look like a prostitute. She looked like a woman dressed according to their fashion codes. So, in fact, if she didn't come to me, I would never be able to know it was a prostitute. So, I don't know if you are okay with that, but if today we cannot know the difference between a woman and a prostitute at the first glance, you've gone one step more further in the decline of morality. There are women who dress like that everywhere in Debrecen and in the west of Europe, and I think in a lot of countries of the world. And sometimes even in the church. In the church, we can see some women dressed like that. And in that, we can see how bad the situation is today and how the hour of the return of Jesus is approaching. We can see a lot of pastors don't even say anything about it because it's fashionable, it's modern, and we live no longer in the Middle Age. But the truth is they don't want to offend these people. It's the political correctness of this world has entered of the heart of these people and started to decide what is good to say and what is not. But brother and sister, listen carefully. You can be dressed up, but like, but you can be like naked. There are clothes that can reveal your body as you are naked. Certain part of your body is need to be hidden. It's just for you, for your wife and your husband. In other, in other case, the Bible calls it to be indecent. And it's the first step to the sexual immorality. So if someone sin with adultery eyes because you are dressed like that, with indecent uh, clothes, this person needs to repent but you too, because you choose to reveal this part of your body. And God will put it on your bill. Amen? So, as Christians, we, we need to fight these kind of things. Because it doesn't come from the Holy Spirit. It's come from an another spirit. An antichrist spirit that gradually gain ground in this world, and not just in this world, but in the church. And this spirit doesn't work to make you like a firm satanist, or to give you the image of an opponent of God, but it will get mixed, you mixed up with worldly doctrine. Who you work every time to be white like snow, snow, 
it will try to mix this color white with the color of sin, just enough to disqualify you from salvation. He planned to destroy the church slowly, degree by degree, exactly like cooking a frog. And I know about that because I'm French, so I can show you how to cook a frog. If you put the frog alive in the boiled water, brutally, the frog will just left because she feel it's too warm. But if you put the frog in the good water, at the good temperature, and you turn, you raise, uh, you <laughs> raise up degrees by degrees, she will die, surely, and you can hit the frog. <laughs> yeah. And for the church, with this kind of spirit, work exactly in the same way. It makes you accept slowly what is unacceptable by letting wrong doctrine enter in the church. It's exactly the same spirit who led Balaam, who gave the solution to destroy Israel to the king Balak. He sent the foreign woman into the Israelite camp. They tried to mix Israelites with non-believers, and the Israelites finished by worship pagan god. So this Antichrist spirit tells to the Christian things like that. You can dress yourself like you want. When you come to the church, it's the responsibility to the other to don't look at me. It says to you, oh, you can sometimes take drugs or watch pornography. It's just sometimes you are not addicted. This spirit push you to don't work for your marriage. It pushes you to divorce, to make conflict, and don't be really firm with your wife. It pushes you to have sexual relationship outside the marriage. It pushes to deal and accept homosexuality and transgenderism. To accept this kind of doctrine, this spirit tells you the most important is love, because God is love. But some church push so far, then it become revert and become love is God. But we don't worship love. It's not the Christian creed. God is love, but love is not our God. Our God is the God of Israel. It's Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. We don't worship love. Amen? Amen. The Spirit push you to accept abortion. Some pagan said, you can abort. If you get raped, it's legitimate, you can abort. Some pagan said, oh, if your uh, future baby will be sick, you can do abortion. But it's not true. An abortion is a murder. Whatever you justify for it, it's a murder. But now in the church, we heard the same things, the same doctrine from the pagan people. And I think for me, the worst is the spirits push you to be proud, to have pride. Thursday, we discussed a little bit with Ishvan, and he tell me sometime in some church in Romania or in Hungary, people don't come to see 
the prostitute, the prisoner, these kind of people to pray for them. They don't go share the gospel. They don't go to see people with bad reputation because they are sinners and the church separates them completely. But as a pastor, I encourage you to go see the prostitute and to pray for them, to share the gospel. I, I encourage you to go see the prisoners, the thieves, the people who are alone with bad lifestyle, to go see the sick people. Amen? Because Jesus did that. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 said, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they heard without a preacher? You need to go outside. Go outside and share the gospel. It's really important. You must share with people whatever their background. Imagine the people around you that you never evangelize. The day they become the day when they will become Christian, they'll discover that you keep the truth for you. The kept, you kept the truth captive. They said to you, I was about to face a terrible judgment and you didn't tell me? How could you not warn me about this judgment? How you didn't tell me about Jesus and how I can be saved? Amen? So you can see all of this wrong doctrine. It's absolutely not what the Holy Spirit teaches us. And this is how the church of Corinth and up doing worse than the pagan by follow this kind of spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 from 1 to 5 said, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body but present in spirit, have already judged as thought I were present, him who has so done this deed, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirits, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirits may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine that? A man come in the church with his father's wife. How you can react to that? Did you tell something for this guy to have his father's wife? Or will you accept it? It's crazy. It's crazy. A lot of church start to look like that. Last month, I shared how in 2021, with the approval of the United Protestant Church of France, a church in, in the south of France celebrates the first gay marriage between two lesbian pastors. 
So it's not the first gay marriage, it's the first gay marriage with two lesbian pastors. Everything is wrong here. And when we go back to 1 Corinthians, when you see the text, even uh, for the pagan, it was too much. Even the pagan didn't take the father's wife. So this kind of fruit didn't come like that. It's a long-term job. The devil works slowly to have this kind of result. So when Paul sees this man with his father's wife, he didn't say, okay, it's okay, we will don't judge him because uh, the most important is love, we need to love each other, blah, blah, blah. He said that such a man should be delivered to Satan for destruction of the flesh so that the soul might be saved. Do you think this is too harsh? It's not because it's better for this man to suffer in earth, to be judged in earth and not burn in hell. Because when you died, the judgment is eternal. God is love, but it's a righteous judge. And it's time to wake up to this because many church have completely closed the door to this image of God through the Bible. God is a judge. And it's the same in the past, in the present, in the future. He's still a judge after the coming of Jesus Christ. Psalm 7 verse 12 said, God is a just judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. Do you think God can be angry? Amen? God is slow to anger. But keep in mind, he can be angry. And his wrath is terrible. Let's see what happens when God gets angry. In 1 Samuel chapter 11, from 4 to 11. To give you a little bit the context, Saul was just uh, anointed as the king of Israel when the Ammonites declared war on the city of Jabesh. And the men of Jabesh sent messengers through the kingdom of Israel to warm from the next attack. So the messenger came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voice and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, What troubled the people that they weep? And they told him the word of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and when he heard this news, he is anger, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces, and sent them through all the territory of Israel by the hand of messenger, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. When the, number them, 
when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000 of men of, of the men of Judah, 30,000. And they said to the messenger who came, thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilad, tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you should have help. Then the messenger came and reported it to the men of Jabesh. And they were glad, therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. Amen? So here, it's not an evil spirit who come in Saul. It's not the spirit of Satan. It's the spirit of God came into Saul and he entered into a great anger. It was the wrath of God expressed through Saul and the fear of the Lord spread through the kingdom and three 330,000 people walk as one against the Ammonites. In some translation, you can read the terror of the Lord. The terror of the Lord. When the messenger arrived, they began to be weep, they started to cry, they lost hearts. But the fear of the Lord awakened them and justice was executed. The next day, the Ammonites were judged and destroyed. I tell to you, nobody wants really deal with this kind of judgment or this kind of anger. And if God severely judged the Ammonites, who were pagan, what judgment does he have in store for church where Christian cannot be longer descend from pagan, where Christian who live in disorder, who want do not repent, Hebrew 10, verse 26 to 31 said, For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fairy indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be he be through worse he who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insult the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, say the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hand of the living God. In the New Testament, we have two guides who deal with that. Two guys who try to lie to the Holy Spirit. At the time of the first church, the brother just sold 
their possession and their property and give all of the money to the apostles. And the apostles just uh, redistribute the money so that everyone received according their needs. And Anania and Sapphira sold their properties, making the apostles believe that they were giving them all the money from the sale, but it was a lie. They kept the part of the money for themselves and their hearts were not completely with God. They're trying to introduce the lying into the first church. And Act 5, from 3 to 5, said, But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived these things in your heart? You have not, you have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing this word, fell down and breathed his last. So a great fear came upon all those who heard these things. He was instantly judged. And three hours later, Sapphira, his wife, fell under the same judgment and died at the feet of the apostle. Was it worth it? Was it worth it to lie and to live in disorder in the church? In this last day, it's really urgent to be close to Jesus, to turn back from our evil way, to turn to him with all of our heart, to avoid Satan's traps. Paul wrote to Timothy and said in 2 Timothy, Three from one to nine. But know this, that in the last day, perilous time will come, for men will be lover of themselves, lover of money, boaster, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, dispersive of good, traitor, Headstrong, haughty, lover of pleasure, rather than lover of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So here we don't speak about pagan. We don't speak about non-believer. Here Paul talks about the church, talk about Christian believer. Here you have all of the fruit of men who are driven by this antichrist spirit. They are lover of themselves, lover of money, proud, without self-control, brutal, lover of pleasure rather than lover of God. It means in the heart, it's not 100% of Jesus. It's just 50%. Or even if it's 90%, it's not 100%. They are idol in the heart. It can be the money. It can be the proud. They love pleasure than lover of God. The pleasure is at the first place. And the worst is having a form of godliness but denying its power. 
It means the guy had the appearance of the Christian, but inside, Jesus is not here. The Holy Spirit is not here. We need to be careful because even in the church, in our church, it's happened. It was not in the IBCD, but in the Bible study on the Monday, I met a young man one day. He was really kind with a really good looking and he was in relationship with a woman from the mother church. And when I saw that, I started to talk with him, started to ask about his relationship. And he answered me, yeah, it's okay, we just try and we'll see how it will work in the future. So just to be sure, I take time to warn him about sexual relationship outside the marriage and how it can be dangerous for them because it's a sin. And this guy with his friend just mocked me all of the evening. And after that, he never come back. This man is crazy because if he dies after being warned by the Holy Spirit, he will never pass through the gate of heaven. And before God, it will never pass. Just imagine come in the front of the Lord and trying to explain why you still live in fornication after being warned by the Holy Spirit. And 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 to 10 is clear. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, Coftus, drunkards, reliever, extortioner will inherit the kingdom of God. So it means if you live in fornication and if you don't repent before the Lord, you can come to the church every Sunday. You can praise the Lord. You can really do a lot of things. You can even come here and preach and say the truth. But if you die just after that, you win going to hell. You really need to be vigilant because the Holy Spirit, after some warnings, finally goes away and you will miss the target. Amen? I don't know if you ever um, uh, shot with a rifle. Um, I did that way with my brother when I, I was young and I was uh, quite bad. For my first time, uh, everything was uh, outside the target. And uh, my brother saw that, he had uh, pity from me and come to me and he'd say, you know, when you aim with the, with, with the gun, if you drift just one millimeter, 100 meters after, you will miss the target because every meters, your bullet will drift from one millimeters. And in the scope, when you look at the target, one millimeter is really like nothing. So that means when you start to drift, it's begin by a little, a little lie. When you start to accept little lie or half truth. And after the result is terrible because you miss the target. An half truth is not the truth. It's a lie. 
And for everyone, the target is here. In Hebrew 9, verse 27. It is appointed, appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. In life, you have a lot of kind of thing important to do, and you have a lot of appointment to do. But one day, you're going to die, and that day, you have an appointment with God. You have an divine appointment quite been since where you were born. So keep in mind, it's something you can miss. It's something you can completely fail. Remember about the ten virgins in Matthew 25. They present them, presented themselves before the Lord and only 500 in the glory of the Lord. Only five passed the door of the heaven. So it's mean in the church, you have two kinds of people. One kind of people who are lead and walk in the path of Jesus, in the way of Jesus, lead by the Holy Spirit. And another people who are lead by another spirit and walk in another path. So if we follow the parable of the ten virgins, it's 50-50. So let's fill our lamp by the hall of the Holy Spirit. Let's don't waste your time. Go back to the Lord. Get your life in order before it's too late. And today it's not too late. There's still the time to come before the Lord because the door is not closed. Amen? Isaiah 55, verse 6, 7 said, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man is fought. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Amen. It's time to come back to the Lord. If today you feel that you have sinned, that you have broken the law of God, then come back to the Lord. He waits for you. It's time to come back, like the prodigal sound. The father is waiting for you. The father of the prodigal son waited for his father. When he saw him far away, he ran to forgive him. And the father waited for you too. The Lord showed us the path. Now we must follow. It's in John 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one's come to the Father except through me. Amen? Amen. There is just one name, Jesus. The reconciliation takes place at the foot of the cross. It was the God's perfect plan of salvation for us. The Bible said, one will hardly die for a righteous man. Perhaps someone will die for a good man. But God came for us when we were completely wicked, when we were completely drifting. And he came to save us. He came to the cross. He redeemed us anyway. 
So here is the solution to go through to uh, avoid the judgment of God. John 3:16, 17 said, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world." but that the world through him might be saved. Amen? He is the way. The solution is that the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, gave himself as the last sacrifice for sin. He who is God became a man, going to the cross to fulfill his Father's will. He died on the cross for the redemption of our past, present and future sins. And on the third day, he was risen, he resurrected. And even if we don't understand why God did that. Because God don't ask us to understand why God, did, uh, why God sent Jesus as a plan of salvation. If you know the story, about the fiery serpent, how the fiery serpent attacked the Israelites in the time of Moses. God come to Moses and said, make a bronze serpent and raise it. And every people who trust me and look at the serpent will be healed and saved. Maybe some people just said, Moses, what are you doing? What are you doing with your statue? We're just dying now. But... Every people who trust the solution of God and look at the serpent were saved. And for us, it's exactly the same. Even if you don't understand why Jesus did that, if you trust the plan of God, you will be saved. Amen? So, Jesus is the way, is the truth, and is the life. There is no other name the act for 12 said, nor is salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So you have only two sides. One side, you walk in the way with Jesus and you will have an abundant life, an eternal life. And in the other side, there is no life. Amen. In Luke 14, 25, 27, we can see how it is important when you give your life to Jesus to give it at 100%. Because God wants 100% of your heart. Not 50, not 90. Now a great multitude went with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone come to me, and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brother, sister, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. To follow Jesus is 100% of your heart. It's the Lord in first. It's how you show to Jesus you trust him and you trust God's salvation plan. 
And my brother, there is a lot of good promises to walk in this path. Let us just wash our robe and come to Jesus until his return. There is a promise is Revelation 22, verse 12 to 14, said, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his worth. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his command, and that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gate into the city. Amen. Let's just keep our eyes on that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you because you are a great God. And today you want us to walk in your path, to follow, follow your son, Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth and the life. There is no truth and no life in the devils and in all the way that Jesus gives us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice and your salvation plan. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you so much for lending us your ears and your time today. If your curiosity has been piqued and you'd like to learn more about our church and the work we do, please feel free to visit our website at ibcdebretson.com. Better yet, we warmly invite you to join us in person and experience our community firsthand. We look forward to welcoming you.